let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing all hail the power of Jesus name and then take my life and let it be all hail the power of Jesus name let angels prostrate fall bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all bring forth the of you in the Lord's house for this Sunday morning. We've got a number of things planned this morning. Uh, for one, the Needhams are with us. They're going to be with us this morning, and then also they're going to be doing a gospel concert this evening. And then we have Brother John Connor up with us, who is the director for the Baptist Bible Fellowship. He's our preacher this morning as we continue our missions emphasis through October. And then also we have baptism this morning. Savannah, Whitney, going to be baptized this morning. So we have a lot of great things scheduled for this service. Let's open it up in prayer. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your many, many blessings to us. I pray that you would help us to be a people focused on you, turn to you. Help us to dismiss from our mind the worries, the fears, all the hectic of the day, and help us instead to just focus on worshiping. We praise you and thank you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated.
Thank you so much. It is such an honor and a privilege for the Needhams to be here with you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning. And I uh, appreciate your pastor, Pastor Tim. I called him and said, hey, we've got an open weekend. And he said, you come on. And so we did the men's conference. And uh, right before we came up, you made the announcement about the cookies. And ladies and gentlemen, I ate a few of those cookies. <laughs> Concerts can be a lot shorter tonight than once. <laughs> But we are, we are thrilled to be here. The Needhams are from Nashville, Tennessee. And I want you to know that everyone on this stage, every one of the Needhams, we're thrilled to be back here at Victory Baptist Church here in the great city of Virginia, Vermont. <laughs> and uh, I want Diane to sing a song for you. This is one that she wrote. It's actually our current single out to Christian Radio. It's from a, uh, our latest CD uh, that we put out. And uh, it's taken right out of the book of Psalms. The song titled, Be Still.
ladies and gentlemen. And um, so far this morning, we did two songs in Sunday school, and of course those two we just did for you. Uh, as both song, both Diane and I are songwriters, and we love to share what we feel like the Lord has laid in our hearts to write. But I love some of the old hymns of the church. Anybody here like some of those old hymns? I do. That's what we grew up singing. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean I don't love the, the new worship music that's out. I think that stuff's spectacular as well. But I, I just love some of the old hymns. And I want to do this this morning. I want to sing an old hymn of the church. And I want to sing this acapella. How do you say it again? We're going to do some singing with no music, y'all. <laughs> now, when you sing like this, everybody's got to know what they're doing. Because you can't hide behind pianos and guitars and bass and drums and all that. So before we do this, I'm just going to check with these guys. Diane, I want you to sing the lead, okay? You're going to sing at the top of the triad. There's three three notes in the chord. You're going to be at the top. Steve, you're going to take the bottom of the triad. You're going to sing the part they call low tenor. I'm going to take that middle part. It's called alto. But when a dude sings it, it's called high baritone. <laughs> and then... Uh, do you think that you could sing a bass part for us on this one? Oh, Charlie. Diane, I want you to sing. Sing up. It is well with my soul. Let's do it. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea Yeah. 
that didn't bless you, something's broken your blesser. So you need to be here tonight and you need to bring others with you. They're going to have the majority of the service to minister to us in song. And we would really like to go ahead and have a great presence to encourage them as well as to bring us together and worship. Amen. Amen. I am going to turn it over to Brother John. Brother John Connorup is the director for the Baptist Bible Fellowship. He, as far as missions goes, he's got about 600 missionaries that he keeps track of and contact with through his office. I think they have 17 people who work in the office. Mm -hmm. And if there weren't computers, it'd be 1,700. Uh, but uh, he was here about 20 years ago, maybe a little less than 20 years ago, spoke for our missions emphasis. Uh, but I've known Brother John through the years, sat on committees with him uh, for the National and International Fellowship, but really wanted him to come and just encourage us and challenge us about worldwide missions. Thank you, Pastor Tim. It's very good to be back with you all once again and uh, enjoyed the music so far and your church music. Everything's been so good and uh, looking forward to seeing how God's going to continue to work in your mission conference uh, this month. Uh, this morning, I'm going to speak about the task before us. And so if you would turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26, if I have to pause every now and then and and have a little cough it's because i've just been dealing with allergies and uh, crazy stuff but anyways we'll make it through during the building dedication in nepal it became known that a father of one of the families uh, a very faithful member of the church was previously a hindu priest and uh, he was a priest in a rural area of nepal uh, for about 25 years when he was a younger man that's what he did. He was asked why he decided to quit the Hindu priesthood. He quickly responded, my soul was so empty and it was very hard to try and find a way to fill it. And I never could. He was then asked if he turned to Christ immediately after stopping uh, being a priest of the Hindu religion. He answered and his answer basically surprised a lot of people, astounded people. He said, I would have, but it took 21 years before anyone had come and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. You see, everywhere around the world, people are waiting to hear the truth of Jesus. They're, they don't know that it's Jesus, but they're waiting for someone, something to fill that emptiness in their heart. And it is Jesus Christ. Notice in Acts chapter 26, beginning in verse 12. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus, this is the Apostle Paul, uh, with authority and commission with the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them with, which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee uh, to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now 
I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them in Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Now, two years before these events that we just read, Paul had been arrested on false charges in Jerusalem. At that time, he had given his testimony of salvation, how Jesus had appeared to him in that experience and had saved him. And he had given that testimony before the entire Jewish Sanhedrin. And as a result of that testimony that he gave, many were trying to take his life. Then he gave his testimony before Felix the governor. You remember reading that story in the Bible. And then before Felix, uh, he gave that testimony again, but Felix did nothing and uh, Paul was still in prison. And then two years after being in prison, there was a new Roman governor, Festus. And Festus brings Paul before King Agrippa so that they can hear, thank you, so that they can hear what he has to say. And so uh, Paul now has been standing before all the Jewish legal counsel and giving his testimony of Jesus Christ. And then he stands before three of the highest political officials in Palestine, and they all hear the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, from Paul because he had been arrested and imprisoned on false charges. You see, Paul is really a very good, a tremendous example for all of us because he was not so much concerned about his physical life as much as he was about those who had not come to Jesus Christ. He was more concerned that they heard the message of the gospel. In these verses, it was Paul's testimony that God had called him to salvation and had a plan for his life. I want to remind those of us who have uh, come out of the darkness and into the light of Jesus Christ through, th through salvation, through his shed blood, those of us who have been saved, it is also our responsibility to take the gospel to other people. God did not just save us to just forgive us of our sins and give us hope for eternity, but he also saved us so that we would go and tell others. We should be aware of the potential in every one of our lives to help others come to Jesus. We all have a part in the task before us. We all have that part. Uh, we can be a witness. We can pray. We can give. And we can even go. There are so many places that need the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Some places missionaries are not even welcome. Uh, you have to go in as as a business person or some other way to get a, a permit to be in the country and you cannot share the gospel openly. Places like in certain places of Asia and maybe Islamic countries in the Middle East. It's wonderful to know that God is still calling people to go to these places and we have missionaries who are serving in these places being very creative and how they're there so they can share the gospel. Other places of the world the, the doors are wide open and the harvest is very ripe. We have people who are seizing the opportunity in these places to present the gospel in an open manner where these people can turn to Jesus Christ. 
and train them then to even go as missionaries. And yet we still have not reached every tribe and people group. Did you know that there are still 50 people groups or tribes with each one having at least 50,000 people who have no witness among them? No one has gone. There's no church in their area. There's nowhere for them to be evangelized from and to grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. When Paul met Christ on the Damascus Road, he had a small idea of what God is calling him to do. It was an incredible task to now take the gospel to the Gentiles. Not only had he been gloriously saved, but now he had also been given a task to do. It was God's timing for the gospel to break loose now from being just among the Jewish people to now go out to the regions beyond, to the Gentiles. Paul shared this essence and he shared this testimony as he stood before King Agrippa. He said that God had called him to take the gospel to the Gentiles, according to verse 17. You see, God has also chosen the church, your church, to take the gospel around the world. He has not chosen to use the BBFI mission office as the sending agency to send people around the world. No, he's chosen the church. He's chosen you. He's chosen me as a member of my church to be a part of this great commission. Notice what Paul came, what, what he says he came to understand was the purpose of his calling. You see that in verse 18. Notice what he said. He said it was to open their eyes, to turn the people from darkness to light, and to turn them from the power of Satan unto God. That really summarizes the task before us as well. We have that same task. We have that same obligation to go around the world. And that's why we are presenting missions to you this month. The first thing that Paul came to realize was the task to open their eyes. To open their eyes. This, this has the idea to, to enlighten people, to instruct them of the truth, to help them just say, oh, that's what it means. That's what I need to understand. Paul recognized that most of the world was blind to the truth of the gospel. In fact, he said in another passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is blinding their eyes. He's deceiving them. He's doing all kinds of things to keep them from looking to Jesus Christ. So Paul realizes the task before him was to open their eyes, to help them recognize their need of a Savior. That is what we should be a part of as well. All around the world. We should be a part of telling people around the corner, right where we live here, and be a part of this church in sending the gospel around the world. It is to give people purpose in life, meaning in life, significance in life after their sins have been forgiven. And so how do we do this? How do we do this? We do this by lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Lifting up Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. If we lift up Jesus unto all the earth, people will turn to him. But you know, the people of this world, they've been blinded by false religions. 
deceiving beliefs and empty humanistic illusions, things that keep people from turning to Jesus. A number of years ago, I was in Cambodia, and as I was walking down the street, I saw these men, as you see in these pictures, selling these birds and these cages. And I asked the missionary, what are these for? And he said, this is a religious uh, thing for them. I said, tell me about it. So he said, well, these men go out into the forest, they catch these birds, and then they take them to the monk, and the monk prays over these birds. And then they sell them to the people. And so the people buy them, and then they get that bird, and they hold it in their hand, and they name all their problems, all their burdens, they confess their sins to this bird, and then they let it fly away, and they're told that all their sins then fly away with the bird. You see, what these people are looking for can only be found in Jesus Christ. Only be found in Jesus Christ. They're being deceived from knowing the truth. I was in a large cathedral in Quito, Ecuador, and I, thought, I saw something I thought I would never see. And I took a picture. Here it is. But there was the figurine of Mary hanging on the cross with the nails through her hands and through her feet. May I remind you today, Mary did not die for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. But here's an example of Satan trying to deceive people and keep them from hearing and seeing the truth. In their blindness, there's no peace. There's no assurance. Uh, but meaningless rituals and superstitions and futile hopes, they're hopeless. The task before us then is to proclaim the truth. We proclaim the truth through our lifestyle. We proclaim the truth through our words. We proclaim the truth by getting involved in missions and, and giving and praying. People all around the world, and in fact, people right here in your area, in your neighborhood, they should uh, see Jesus in you, in your lifestyle, in your testimony. People around the world and, and in our country, they should be able to hear the gospel because we're involved in missions. In fact, some here should probably even surrender to go and say, Lord, here am I, send me. I am willing to go to the regions beyond and take this precious truth to those who are being deceived around the world. I'm ready to go to open their eyes. There are people in churches who God has called and they know it, but they have not surrendered to that call. I meet them all the time. They come to me and say, years ago, God called me to go, but I never did surrender and I never did go. Can you imagine the people around the world who would have heard the truth if they had gone? That's not the case with Paul. That's not the case with him. He said to King Agrippa in, in chapter 26, verses 19 and 20, he said, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and, and do the works meet for repentance. Paul said, when I saw the vision, when God spoke to me, I didn't delay, I didn't argue, I didn't debate. I just went and I went to all these places and told them about Jesus Christ. Are you involved in helping people see Jesus here around you and around the world? The next thing that Paul came to understand as a part of his task was number two, to turn them from darkness to light. To turn them from darkness to light. This means from the darkness of paganisms and, and, and sin to light and purity of the gospel. Jesus described himself as the light of the world. 
There can be no question regarding the spiritual darkness that pervades our world today. Africans in bondage to their fetishes and their charms, and Asians in deceit to their religious beliefs, in Latin America to their religious rituals that they perform. You see the vast darkness when you travel through the Middle East and North Africa and hear Muslims calling out uh, in prayer thousands of mosques all throughout their cities. You see the sea of darkness when you see idols represented, uh, representing millions of lifeless deities in India. Hinduism, 330 million different gods. And people religiously trying to serve them and appease them. Spiritual darkness literally pervades all the nations and all people throughout the world. In the darkness, they can conjure up all kinds of images and, and things are made and made by man so that they can somehow please somebody, something, somewhere so they can find hope in life. And so you have all kinds of ugly gods and idols. However, we must remember that light always overcomes darkness. Darkness never extinguishes or overcomes the light. There is only darkness when light does not exist. And that is why God calls us to be part of missions and support missionaries, to be part of financial a faith promise giving through the church. As I travel around the country and I hear testimonies of people, I see that God is able to supply through so many different ways. But I, I've kind of summarized them into these four areas uh, that you see on the screen. Uh, first of all, God uses the unexpected provision. Unusual provision. Supplies in ways that we would not expect. And so the idea is that you pray and ask God what you can do in faith promise and then trust him. And uh, many times he will supply in an unusual, unexpected provision. For example, uh, there was a Bible college student who was part of a mission conference like this. And at the end of the conference, he decided, I'm going to give $50 to missions every month. And boy, he was excited about that, but he wasn't sure quite how that was going to happen. But he trusted God. So he was having lunch with a businessman, and that businessman heard his testimony. And he said, you're a Bible college student. You don't have that kind of money. And he reached into his jacket, pulled out his checkbook, and we wrote a check for $600 and said, here's your faith promise for this next year. An unusual and unexpected provision. Do you believe God can do that? Yes, he can. And then the second thing that you see is budgeted giving. This is how my wife and I do it. You see, we put it in our budget. We put our tithe first, that belongs to God. And then secondly, we put our faith promise, and then we trust God to take care of all the rest of our needs. And it's amazing to see how God blesses and takes care of us because we're putting him first. Our tithe goes to God, the church, then faith promise after that, and then he takes care of our bills and our needs. There was a nurse who was giving $25 a month to missions. She had a meagerly income, but she thought, you know, I can do $25, and so she did that $25. Three years later, she was giving $300 a month. Someone asked her, how in the world do you do that? She said, I just put it in my budget. I trust God. I give my tithe. Then I give my missions and God just takes care of everything. There's some left over. And so I take that and I add it to my faith promise. And every year I've been able to increase it. Budgeted giving. The third way is creative strategies. Using different skills and talents and, and abilities that you have to generate extra income. So you can give to missions so that people can hear about Jesus Christ. There was a 13-year-old girl 
who had been taught by her grandmother how to crochet. And so she would crochet different Christmas tree ornaments. And at Christmas time, she would sell them to her family and to her friends. And she would always take what she made and gave that to Faith Promise Mission. She used her skills and her abilities. There was a, an overweight businessman. One year in his mission conference, he decided he was going to give a large amount to missions. And he thought, boy, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm just trusting God to supply. Then he began to think, okay, I'm a little bit overweight, so I'm not going to eat lunch for this next year. And I'm going to take what I would have spent on lunch, and I'm going to give that to Faith Promise Missions. At the end of the year, he gave more than he had promised, and he lost 50 pounds. <laughs> you know, we have all kinds of diets out there. Why not the Faith Promise Mission diet? Take what we can and give to the Lord. And then the last one is sacrifice. Give up something. Give up something so that someone in Africa or Asia can hear of Jesus. We can all give up something. In fact, many times it's not even really a sacrifice, is it? But I do know people who do sacrifice so that others can hear. He also tells us that we are to pray for missionaries. We are to pray for the missionaries that we send, that we support. We're to pray for more missionaries. And so I, you see on the screen here the 938 challenge. And this is something that we've been doing in churches around the country and around the world. Are praying for more missionaries. It's after Matthew chapter 9 verse 38. In verse 37 Jesus said the harvest is plenteous but the labors are few. And then he says so pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into harvest. And my challenge to you today is. Take up the 938 challenge. So set your alarms at 938 in the morning or 938 at night. And when that goes off, just take a time and say, God, please send more missionaries. We can all do that. We can all do that. Amen. So he tells us also to go to carry the light of the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. The Bible says that we're all sinners and even people in the dark. They know that they have this sin problem and they're heavy. They're heavy, and they're trying to remove them in all kinds of different ways. When I was in Thailand, I came across this large uh, temple. Inside this temple, they had nine pink coffins. Thousands of people every day line up to go inside to these nine pink coffins. And they're told that when it's their turn to get in the coffin, they get in the coffin, and then they lay down, and the monk prays some kind of prayer over them. And then they step out of the coffin and they're told all their sins and all their problems are dead in the coffin. And now they're, they are a new person. You see what they're trying to do? They're trying to remove those problems, those burdens, those sins. They're trying all kinds of different ways. I could tell you hundreds of different ways they're trying this. But the only way it can happen is through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do we help these people see the light? Well, God has equipped us with the story. Of his son, Jesus Christ. A story of his love. A story of Jesus. Who died on the cross and rose again. That whosoever would believe in him. Could have their sins forgiven. And everlasting life. By believing on him. They can come out of that darkness. And into the light. They can receive forgiveness of sins. Peace with God. Joy and purpose in life. No matter what your profession is, you might be a businessman, you might be a student, you might be a housewife, you might be a nurse, whatever it is, the task before us is to help turn them from darkness to light. But it takes obedience by us. It takes surrender. 
It takes surrender so that we can all be a part of the mission. We must all be involved in the task before us to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Everyone ought to be a part of giving to missions. It's the plan of this church. It's the plan of God using the church to go around the world. Your giving and your prayers, they make a difference. I've had people say, well, I only have $5 to give or $1 to give. And what is that? So I'm not even going to give it. And I said, no, no, whatever you have and God lays upon your heart, you go ahead and give it and let God use it. You remember that song we used to sing, Little is Much, When God is in it? Amen. And so we give that maybe what we think is little, and you put it together with what your church, everyone else in your church does, and your church has a, a, a lot of money every year that you, and you send it to the mission office, and all the other churches join in together with you, and it equals $35 million this last year. And so you think, wow, that $5, doesn't, it's not a lot, or that $50, not a lot. But when you take it and put it together with everyone else and all the other churches, $35 million, we send it all to the missionaries, then God takes it and multiplies it and does great things in people's lives for eternity. So be involved in missions. We can all be a part of giving. I met a man from Vietnam some years ago, and, and I asked him to give me his testimony. He said he was a pastor in Vietnam. I said, oh, that is great, a pastor in Vietnam. He was Vietnamese and pastoring his own people. I said, how did you come to know Jesus Christ? He said, well, there was a missionary from Cambodia. The family had surrendered to be missionaries. They came to Vietnam. They brought the gospel to me. I got saved, and now I'm a pastor to my, my people here. I was trained as a pastor. And I said, that is wonderful. He said, there's more to the story. I said, okay, what else is there? He said, there was a family in the Philippines they had heard the gospel. They got saved. And in that family, one of their sons surrendered to be a missionary. He and his family later then went to Cambodia and, and led some people to Christ. And out of that church, a family came to Vietnam and led me to Christ. And now I'm a pastor of the church. I said, wow, that's exciting. From Philippines to Cambodia to Vietnam. He said, that's not the end of the story. I said, okay, what else is there? He said there was a missionary from the United States that went to the Philippines and led people to Christ. And out of that family, a young man surrendered. And then he and his family later went to Cambodia. And then they led people to Christ. And the family went from there to Vietnam, led me to Christ, trained me. And now I'm a pastor in Vietnam. I said, man, that is exciting. From America to Philippines to Cambodia to Vietnam. He said, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> I said, well, okay, what else is the end of the story? What, what else is there? And he said, now... Our church in Vietnam, we are sending a missionary to the country of Laos. Amen. You see what happens? When you get involved in missions, you really don't even know what all God's doing around the world until you get to heaven. But believe me, he is working. He is working. Paul also learned from, from God that day that his task was to, number three, turn them from the power of Satan unto God. From the power of Satan unto God. This means to withstand the power of Satan. Satan is represented as the prince of this world. The ruler of the darkness of this world. The prince and the power of the air. It's important we understand this third part. Paul's purpose. Uh, this third part of Paul's purpose and calling. Paul knew that God had called him to turn the nations from the power of Satan unto God. You see we send our missionaries into Satan's territory. Where Christ is not known to various and different countries and cultures, to peoples who are in the darkness, 
who are under the control of Satan because of all the false religions. Satan's not just going to roll over when the missionary comes. When the missionary comes, he's not going to say, oh, man, somebody came. I guess I'll let all these people get saved. No, no. He's going to do whatever he can to keep people from knowing Jesus Christ. It really is a spiritual war that we are in. It's a spiritual war. This war is not only manifested in religious opposition or government restrictions or pagan worldviews, but through discouraging of our missionaries, conflicts around the world, illnesses that come upon our missionary, all kinds of uh, issues of distractions that inhibit them from being effective. Your pastor has worked with our mission office for years and he understands the difficulties our missionaries face and, and all the things that they go through. They have economic challenges that cripple their effectiveness many times and their ability to even stay on the field. There could be violence and wars that come up in parts of the world that they have to escape from. The greatest attacks then come upon their family, their marriage, temptations, uh, Satan coming, trying to defeat their children, uh, and then bring seasons of loneliness. All these kinds of things Satan tries to do to keep our missionaries from shining the light. And that's why we need to pray for our missionaries, that they will guard their hearts with all diligence. We must pray that our missionaries can withstand the attacks of Satan. And you know why I can say that we can pray for that? Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we can pray to the one who's greatest and he can help our missionaries withstand those attacks. According to these verses, we are to open their eyes. We are to turn them from darkness to light and to turn them from the power of Satan unto God. But notice Paul's conclusion. The purpose of all of this is found in verse 18, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That's why we do this. That's why we are to be witnesses. That's why we're to be involved in missions. This is the ultimate purpose, offering them forgiveness of sins and peace with God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. We have received his word. We, we have received his forgiveness. And then we need to share that with others. You see, forgiveness only comes through the merits of the Savior. He died on the cross. He died for our sins, that we might receive his righteousness, in order that one day we can stand holy before God and allowed to enter into heaven, stand righteous before God, completely forgiven. It's not by anything we do. It's only by what Jesus has done on the cross. This is the task before us, to tell the world of Jesus Christ. Tell the world of Jesus Christ. Have you come and received the forgiveness of sins? Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, you know, those illustrations of people who are in the dark, that's me. Well, you can come into the light today. All you have to do is come to Jesus Christ. Someone will show you and explain to you how you can be saved from the penalty of your sins. Will you help people hear about Jesus Christ? Do people in your area, in your region right here, do they see Jesus in you? Are people around the world hearing about Jesus because you're involved in missions? Ask God to speak to you today and this week to show you what you can do in the task that is ahead of us. God has saved you, but he's also called you to be a part of the task, Pastor.
We as a church, we endeavor every year to figure out, well, what is it that God is going to do for the next year ahead? And as we work through October and each of us pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what will you do through me? You know, what will you give through me? It enables us to do that. We support about 40 missionary projects around the world, give them a monthly amount. And as Brother John mentioned, all the other churches in the country that feel called to help those missionaries, usually there's about 70 or 80 churches that support each missionary that enables them to stay on the field. Most foreign countries will not allow them to work another job. So if we don't send them supported, they have to come home. Those countries don't allow them to work, just like America doesn't allow, well, they didn't used to allow people to just come in and go to work. Uh, they had to come through legal means and find jobs. Um, it's, that's the way it is in foreign countries too. One of the things we do as a church is we do ministry locally. You know, the New Testament calls us not only to do uh, ministry reaching the uttermost parts of the world, but our Jerusalem. And we do things like youth camp. Well, this year at youth camp, Savannah Whitney received Jesus Christ as her savior at camp. And this morning she's gonna get baptized. So we're gonna go ahead. I'm gonna have brother John come up. He's gonna lead us in a couple songs. And as he leads us in songs, we're gonna get ready. Savannah, you're gonna go right on this side and get ready to be baptized. And I'm gonna go on this side, get ready to baptize you. And I'm going to meet you right there in the baptistry tank. Amen? All right. I'm going to turn it over to Brother John. All right. Now let's see. Brother Mike, let's do the last one. To God be the glory. Uh, you can remain seated as we sing this song together. To God be the glory. Mike, let's do all three verses of that, if you would, please. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from apart and receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us, great the sun, blood purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. 
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. This is Savannah Whitney, and at youth camp this summer, she came and she was talking to my daughter, Joy, and Joy said, well, you know what, let's go talk to your aunt. And her aunt was working at the craft shop at youth camp. And they sat down and they went through the gospel. And Savannah, if you were to die right today, what would happen to you? And why would you go to heaven? And did you ask Jesus into your heart? And do you understand that the baptismal waters don't save you? Who saves us? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And baptism in the New Testament is a picture <coughs> of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, through the book of Acts, you find where they, uh, somebody would receive Christ. They would bring them to a body of water, and there it says they would go down both into the water, and there they would <coughs> baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we still practice baptism exactly the same way as the New Testament. We, we have a body of water here. Savannah's going to go under it, picturing the death of Christ. Then she'll come out of it, picturing the resurrection of Christ and the newness of life that the Bible says we have. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And all the people said, Amen. Thank you very much for coming and being in the Lord's house today. I, I am sincere when I say I hope you come back tonight for the gospel concert. Uh, music ministers to the heart and to the soul. And uh, just come. Receive a blessing from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Lord in heaven, we come before you. We thank you for the gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. If there be one person here today that has not called upon you and accepted you as their Savior, then I pray that before this day is over, they would talk to me, let me open the Bible, let me share with them how that they can call upon you. We thank you for your love, your sacrifice. Help us to honor you and serve you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're dismissed. Thank you so much. John, did you have one more verse? Okay, we're all set.